Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand? Those of you that are just coming in, just keep standing. It works out for you. Let's sing My Feet Are on the Rock. My feet are on the rock. Ooh, I can feel the waters rise. I can hear the howling lies that haunt me. Fear won't hold me now. My feet are on the rock. When I feel my hope about to break, I will cling to your can be seated. Good morning, Cavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good, good. It's so good to see you guys today. Welcome to the Lord's house. We're so glad that you're here. We've been praying for you this week, and what a great way to start off the new year. I love that song. I really do. Anyone got any New Year's resolutions that they're like doing this year or doing that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I mean, I got a couple goals, you know, it, maybe not the healthiest thing in the world, try as many different types of coffee that I can kind of help that addiction a little bit. Um, but man, I, I think the other thing too that I really want to try to pursue this year is to try to 
aim to be a little bit better at worshiping the Lord in a little bit better way, in my own personal way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to be a little bit more all in. So I hope that's your prayer as well, that we just kind of just turn the dial up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of more raise the roof action and uh, really just light this place on fire as the body of Christ. I think we can do it together. And uh, what better way to do it with you guys. Amen? Amen. But man, we're so glad that you're here and uh, been praying for you guys, and uh, I know that uh, the Lord has already been here this morning meeting with us during first service and in our kids' area. So let's just uh, continue to let that happen today. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. There's a little Connect card in the chair back in front of you. Fill that out, and then right after service, take that right out these back doors. There's a little Connect counter there. We have a little gift for you, Chick-fil-A. A little Chick-fil-A gift card, a cup, and uh, just uh, be able to connect with you and your family, get to know you, and tell you how your family can plug in here at our church, all right? It's good to see you guys. I'm going to invite you all to stay, and we're going to ask God's blessing on our services this morning. Let's do it. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for today. It's a special day because it's Sunday, and it's where we can... It's the day we come into your house and lift you up, God. I pray that you just increase our faith today, increase our energy, and uh, allow us to grow into the people that you want us to be, God. Be with Brother Will as he brings the message today, God. Open our hearts. Help us to hear exactly what you want us to hear, and let 2024 be awesome. And Lord, bring the snow this week in your name. Amen. Y'all, uh, turn around, say hi, and we'll get started in a few moments.
qualities about God is that he steps in and he's made a way for us when there is no other way. Uh, let me read you the lyrics of a hymn that was published in 1865. So it's been a little while. It was written by a pastor's wife and her name was Martha Cook. And she's writing about how the Lord provides us in his own way and the way that only he can. This is what she wrote. In some way or another, the Lord will provide. It might not be my way. It might not be thy way. And yet in his own way, the Lord will provide. At some time or another, the Lord will provide. It might not be my time. It might not be thy time. And yet in his own time, the Lord will provide. And this next song speaks, speaks to that message that the Lord makes a way for us when there is no other way.
this morning. I have seen your faithfulness over and over. God, I praise you today that you make a way when sometimes it doesn't seem like there is a way. You do that not only for me, but for everyone that is a child that belongs to you. And we praise you for that this morning, God. Let us not neglect to give thanks and praise and honor when it is due to your name. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in this place today, that you would soften our hearts and make us pliable and help us, uh, the word to penetrate our hearts and let us be different from being in your house today. Lord, again, just give you all glory and honor and praise for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Give them a big hand, would you? They, man, they do a great job. And again, uh, welcome to Kavanaugh. Glad you're here this first Sunday of 24. Are you here? Yes. Uh, Could I just hear an amen from everybody in this room on three? One, two, three. Amen. There you go. That's great, man. Wonderful. Just continue to say that throughout the message and we'll all be happy, all right? Several years ago, a man in Janesville, Wisconsin, purchased a space on a highway billboard and put up these words, enjoy life now, there is no afterlife. Well, it caused quite a controversy in that area, and after the sign came down, two area churches collaborated, they rented the same sign and put their own message on the billboard. Here's what they put. Life is short, eternity is not. Life is short, eternity is not. I, I can tell you this for sure. Life is short, isn't it? Uh, I researched that this week over and over again, found a lot of great quotes and sayings. My favorite came from a, a really proficient theologian named Dr. Seuss. And here's how he put it. How did it get so late so soon? It's night before it's afternoon. December is here before it's June. My goodness, how the time has flown. How did it get so late so soon? Amen, amen, man. I mean, what happened to 23? Anybody know? One guy captured the sentiment this way. New Year's again? It seems like it was just New Year's last year. On this first Sunday of the new year, I'm not going to ask you if you have made New Year's resolutions. I'm not, going to even, I'm not even going there. What I want to know is how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions? You know, it, it, it's hard to keep resolutions because they often go in one year and out the other. Ah, Stacy, me and you, we're the only ones who get that, yeah? I talked to a good buddy recently who told me he doesn't make New Year's resolutions anymore because he just breaks them anyway. And while I can certainly understand the cynicism and the skepticism 
The downside is we can end up not making any decisions to move forward in our life. And we just stay stale. We stay in the same place. And friend, we need to be moving forward spiritually. As Donald Whitney writes, no one coasts into Christ-likeness. And if you're just waiting to become more like Jesus, my friend, it's not going to happen. I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. You've, you've got to decide, I am going to grow, and you've got to have a routine, a daily discipline, so that you do grow. My guess is you would like a few changes in 2024. Okay. Come on, don't be afraid. Yeah, there you go. I came across a very helpful post this week entitled, Don't Just Make a Resolution, Make a Habit. It was written by Joe Carter, and here is part of what he said. Making a New Year's resolution is one of my favorite end-of-year activities. Every year I'm encouraged by the idea that in a mere 12 months, I will have become a marginally better person. But every year I'm unable to keep the resolve in my resolutions. This year I'm going to try something quite different. Instead of just making new resolutions, I intend to make new habits. A habit is a recurrent, often unconscious pattern of behavior acquired through frequent repetition. Habits drive our behavior, which in turn forms our character. No one wakes up one day to find they've suddenly developed either an immoral or godly character. It is through habits of rebelliousness against God that we become slaves to sin. And through habits of obedience that we become slaves unto righteousness. So instead of making some New Year's resolutions, which we often don't keep because we're trying to do them in the flesh, let's allow God's holy word to shine its spotlight on four holy habits that the Holy Spirit of God can help us cultivate this year. I see all of this in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 15 through 18 as we discover four holy habits that we can develop in 2024. Here's what Paul wrote. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are, and you tell me that word, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Help me, dear Lord, as I speak it on the outside. I pray that as I speak it on the outside, your Holy Spirit would speak it into our lives and change us into the people you want us to be. Help us to learn these four holy habits and incorporate them into our life this new year. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you my sermon in a sentence, not so that you can turn me off, all right, but so you can understand where we're going. Here's my sermon in a sentence. Since our time on earth is limited, and it is, would you not agree? Our time on this earth is brief. 
let's make the most of the time that we have left. However many days or hours that may be, let's make the best use of them by developing these four holy habits. Are you ready for number one? Here it is. Let's live wisely. Let's live wisely. Verse 15, Paul said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, I can't tell you the the number of times my mom, right over there, told me to be careful when I was a kid. It was every day she said that, at least once a day growing up. I heard it over and over and over again. Be careful, be careful, be careful. But you know, here's as much as I hated that, I still say the same thing to my grown kids. Zane is here over the weekend. He brought Juliet with him. They're going to be traveling back to Dallas here in a couple hours. And guess what I'm going to say to Zane and Juliet when they go out and get in his car to leave? Be careful. And I'm going to add because there are crazy people out there, right? So, so be careful. The, the word carefully means to be skillful and to be on guard. To look very closely so as not to stumble. It has the ideal of exactness precision and accuracy. One Greek scholar translates this verse this way, be constantly taking heed therefore how accurately you are conducting yourselves. This is a present imperative meaning we are commanded to continually pay attention to how we're living. We are to be constantly careful of where we go and what we say and what we do. The the same word is used in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to warn us about unbelief. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So, So we need to be careful how we live. Now, I really struggled with this next statement. I wrote it, I erased it, I rewrote it but I'm just going to say it as I wrote it. Too many of us are spiritual sluggards. We live sloppy lives. Instead of fighting sin and staying on that road to righteousness, we take exit ramps all the time that distract us and get us away from God. We're not being careful. Someone said the tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. So the first holy habit is live wisely. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. Remember that kid's song that, I don't know, Brother Johnny still sings it with it. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful. And you know what? We need to be careful. We need to be careful of, of what we're saying and who we're saying it to. We need to be careful at what we look at and what we do. Secondly, we need to leverage our time. That's the second holy habit that we can develop in 24, leveraging our time. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are, and I'm going to have you say it again, they're evil. This is also translated redeem the time because the days are evil. And, and, and it's the idea of buying up a bargain. How many of y'all like to go shopping when they have things on sale? How many, how many of you went to Hobby Lobby and bought all the Christmas 
decorations they had on sale from from this Christmas and, and put them in a box and you got it, here's it's what brother Johnny does the day after Halloween when he goes to Walmart and buys all that discounted candy likewise we're to buy up the bargain of time before it's too late we're to purchase opportunities before the evil of our day snatches them off of the shelf now there are two Greek words for time one is chronos, which, which is quantitative time. It, it refers to the passing of moments and days and months and years and decades and centuries. It's how, we, it's how we measure time. And some of you are on point right here. You, you, every moment of every day is calculated. You have, you have a place to be at this time, and you're always there at that time. It, it reminds me of Zane's football coach, Rick Jones, when he was down in Greenwood. I mean, the guy was precise. He, he had it all formulated out, and the kids had to be here at this time, and they had to do this right before the game. And, and one day, one Friday night, we were in, we were in Hot Springs before the big, big game in Hot Springs, and, and the, the people in Hot Springs at high school had, had asked a helicopter to drop in the game ball. Well, it got delayed. And I, I saw Rick Jones over there with the kids, the boys. Remember this, Zane? I thought, I thought Coach Jones was going to have a coronary because he was exact on time. Some of you are like that, aren't you? And you're, right now you're watching your clock. Well, if he doesn't shut up with his story, we're going to get out here. Some of you are not that way at all, yet you still live by time. It's like in Puerto Rico. We call it island time. They say 5 o'clock. It could be 7.30. They don't, they don't care. It's in the vicinity, all right? And I keep, t there it is, there you go. Yeah. Lord, Lord was telling me, go on, that's enough of that. About The other word is kairos. It refers to qualitative time. It's the idea of an opportune moment. It's also translated the appointed time, a fixed or special occasion. It refers to a period of opportunity that is open just for a moment and then that opportunity vanishes and closes. I would say it's not clock time, it's kingdom time. Because you know what, every day God opens doors for us. He gives us moments to do something in his kingdom. And if we don't seize that moment and take opportunity, it can close on us. We also see this in Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time because God's going to give us that moment. We, we've got to make use of it. So, so my question, are you ready to move from clock time to kingdom time so that you can focus on living each moment as a God moment in your life? William Penn once said, time is what we want the most, but what we use the worst I don't speak much Latin. Okay, I don't speak any Latin. But I, I like the phrase carpe diem. It's always sounded cool to me, carpe diem. What does it mean, Jason? Seize the day. What a great message. That, that's good advice. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to twist it around a little bit and say carpe momento, which is seize the moment. Because God is giving you a moment right now to do something in his kingdom. You need to be doing it.
This past week, I checked out some countdown clocks on the World Wide Web. Have you ever, have you ever checked out a countdown clock? By entering your age and, and some other factors, they can calculate how much time you have left. And so I, I, I hung out at this one, it was called the death clock. And I answered all their questions, you know, I'm, I'm this age, I'm this tall, I weigh this much. I don't smoke, dip, cuss or chew or go with girls who do and that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> ans- answered all their questions and, and then I pushed the button and they predicted how long I was going to live. Now, I, th- I thought, okay, I'm 62, I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe 15, 17 more years. No. The death clock predicted, I've got 32 more years left. Listen, I'm not going to die until I'm 94 years and nine months old. That that was a relief right there. Now, obviously, only God knows the number of days we have left, right? But you know what? We are called to live with an acute sense of a countdown. We, We read this in Psalms 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. To number means to weigh or to measure our moments so that we can live them for God's glory and for the good of others. Psalms 39 says the same thing about redeeming our time. Oh Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Our days are flying by. Ray and I was talking about this in my office this morning. As you get older, it flies by faster, man. Isn't that crazy? Billy Graham was once asked what was the most surprised he was about life. And and here's what he said. I am most surprised in life about its brevity. Let's not just mark time, but let's use the time we have left to make a mark for the kingdom of God. Let's not waste time, but let's use our time worshiping God and doing something for his kingdom. Now, I don't need to tell you that we live in a world with evil influences and with evil individuals. It's everywhere around us. It's easy to think that Paul is exhorting us to to action, to seize the moment, because our days are short, and they are short. But that's not the reason he calls us into action. We are to leverage our time. We are to make use of the time that we have because Paul said the days are evil. You don't make the best use of your time because the days are short. He said you need to do it because the days are evil. And doesn't it seem as if evil has been unleashed in our world today? What was considered right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now considered right. And to be right for everyone. I I saw this, and I I thought I'd just throw it up on the screen for you because I I think it is, is so true. What used to be considered an abomination, which led to a lamentation, has become a celebration demanding participation because the unthinkable is now unquestionable. Wow. 
And that is right out of Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, which says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. But listen to me, church. Even in the midst of great evil, there are always opportunities that God gives us to do something for good and for his kingdom. Every day is an occasion for us to grab the good and shun the sin. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 But test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So let's lament over the evil that is in our world, but let's also shine our light for Jesus in our dark world. Every time you can, you need to do something that is good and something that is good for others. Most time is wasted. Not necessarily in hours, but in minutes and in seconds. Someone said the only piece of eternity we'll ever hold in our hand is the opportunity in our hand at this very moment. We have no other time in which to live. I mean, God has put you here for right now. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. I've got a lot of good little things in here, but y'all just aren't picking them up, man. Since, since our time on planet Earth is limited, let's make the best use of the time we have left. We do that by living wisely, by leveraging our time. And number three, we do it by this holy habit. That is learning God's will. Verse 17 clarifies what's most important. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's talk about the will of the Lord for a little bit. It, it's primarily focused on transformation, not necessarily on location. What, what do I mean by that? Well, when we talk about the will of God, we tend to lock in on where God wants us and what God wants us to be doing, don't we? Well, the will of God for my life is to do this over here at this time. And, and while that may be part of it, what God is more interested in is who you are becoming. So he is not as concerned about the location as he is the transformation. Because when you lay your life on the altar and give him everything and hold nothing back for yourself, if you are working every day on being like Jesus Christ, then doing the will of God is just going to become natural to you because you're living in the will of God. Now, this verse says, understand what the will of the Lord is. That word understand carries the idea of assembling facts into organized whole, like putting pieces of a puzzle together. So the question begs, how does one understand the will of God? How do I understand what the will of God is for my life? Well, simply put, you understand God's will for your life by reading and meditating and memorizing and studying and applying the Word of God. In other words, I understand God's will when I get into God's Word. This is how He reveals His will to me. God doesn't always tell us everything about the future, does He? And here's a helpful principle. If you want to know God's will, 
then do the will of God that you already know. I think many times we pray the prayer, God, tell us what to do. And I can imagine him saying, I've already told you what to do in my word, but you're not doing it, so why am I going to tell you anything else? The the old adage is true. God doesn't steer parked cars. Okay? So if you want the Almighty to guide you, then you need to start moving on those things that you already know you should be doing. What are those things? Well, here are eight things in the Bible that we already know about God's will from God's Word. And I'm going to throw them up on the screen for you. Number one, God's will for your life is that you be saved. That's that's the foundation, the starting place. God wants you to be a child in His kingdom. He wants you to be saved. And, And none of this applies until you take that first step. So God's will for you today is to become a Christian. If you've never prayed the sinner's prayer and admitted that you're a sinner and you say you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and you confess Jesus is Lord of your life, if you've never prayed that prayer and invited Jesus into your heart, let me plead with you, do that today. On this first Sunday of 2024, let's make this year the best year by inviting Jesus into our life. What is God's will? God's will is that you be saved. Number two, God wants you to surrender. God wants you to bring your your body, your life, and present it to him as a living sacrifice. To come lay your body out on the altar and say, Lord, everything I have is yours. Take control of my mind, my mouth, my hands, my feet. Lord, I give you my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm I'm yours. He wants you to surrender to him. That's God's will. Number three, God wants you to be sanctified. That is to avoid immorality. Let me, let me just turn around and say it this way. You need to clean up your life. You, you need to say no to the temptations that Satan brings into your life and mind every day. There are some things you need to stop looking at. Some programs you, you need to stop viewing. There's a lot of words you need to stop saying. Some places you need to stop going. You you need to become sanctified, holy unto God. Without holiness, no one will see God. It's God's will that you clean up your life, that you act different and talk different and look different than the people of this world because this world is not your home. Number four, God wants you to give thanks. You know, I've, 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 I've noticed here lately that, that we are a complaining group of people. And, and left to our own, we're going to point out the negative. You know, I'm, 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 I'm almost so sick of, of, you know, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. I'm... I'm I'm about ready to give it up because you know what? Somebody does something or says something and immediately the negative is turned on. We use it as a, as a platform to, to point out people's faults and to say something negative about them. It, let's not be so negative. Let, let's, let's quit being grumpy. I mean, I only got 32 years left. I, I need to be more thankful, and so do you. Number five, God wants you to live a good life. Number six, God wants you to do justly. 
love mercy, and walk humbly with Him. Number seven, God wants you to delight in doing His will. And then number eight, God wants you to be a devoted disciple who makes other disciples among your neighbors and the nations of this world. These are the eight things we know are God's will for our life. And, and, and if we're not current and obedient in all of these eight things, why is God going to tell us to do something else, something more specific, if we can't get the basics down? Learn God's will. It was Will Rogers who said, half our life is spent trying to find something to do with the time we have rushed through life trying to save. Someone else put it like this, life is too short to do everything we want to do, but it is long enough, long enough for us to do everything God wants for us to do. Not, not long ago, somebody asked me, Will, how many more days do you think you have left? They first asked me, how, how, how much longer do you think you're going to preach and be a pastor? And then they asked me, how, how much longer do you think you're going to live? Well, I, I didn't have an answer to give them. I, I wished I had a, got on the death clock earlier because I, I could have told them exactly. I got 32 years left. 94 years, nine months, that's when, that's when I'm going. <laughs> wow. I don't know how much time I have left. But I know this. I am immortal as long as God has something for me to do. In other words, I'm here as long as God is still using me and as long as He has something for me to do. And when I accomplish all He has given me to do, then guess what? I don't have to worry about it anymore. I get promoted. Huh. So we need to learn God's will, live God's will, live wisely, leverage your time, learn God's will. And then finally, number four, you do all this by leaning into the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something, God, if you try to make changes or live the Christian life in your own power, the power of your own flesh, you're going to falter and fall every time. It's not easy living the Christian life. If, if anybody has ever told you that and you've, you've bought into that lie, well, it's a lie from the devil. It's not easy to live the life Jesus has called us to live. Why? Because we live in a world that is against everything God says for us to do. The world and the devil is going to make it hard. And you can't do it on your own. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us verse 18. Man, I love this verse. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Look at me. Do not get drunk with wine because it's debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Are you following my thumbs? Don't get drunk with wine. It's debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. At its core, this verse is helping us see the ultimate issue of control. Who or what is running my life? Is it me or is it the Holy Spirit? Who is controlling my life? Am I controlled by outside influences or am I controlled inwardly by the power of the Holy Spirit of God? In, in the culture back then, many believed that 
the spirit world could be entered through drunkenness. If you wanted to contact the spirits or talk to a dead relative, all you had to do was get drunk. The Greeks even had a god of wine called, called Dionysus. They believed that when you got drunk, this god came and inspired you to do and to say th- certain things. In light of that, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that alcohol is referred to as spirits. Ooh. Mm. Let me tell you, those spirits will do weird things in your life when you're drunk. You'll, you'll say things that... You don't remember saying and saying that you shouldn't be saying and you'll do things that you know are better to do because you're not controlled by rational thinking. You're controlled by a substance. Interestingly, the word debauchery has the idea of wasteful and excessive squandering. Doesn't that make sense? Don't get drunk with wine, which is debauchery. It is a downward spiral that is going to bring nothing good to your life or the people around you. Yeah, you may be contacting the spirit world, but it's the wrong spirit world. And then we have the word but there. I'm so glad it's here. It shows a contrast, an antithesis. Instead of squandering your life, Surrender your life by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead of allowing an an outside substance to control your thinking in your life, you allow your life to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God who made you and knows what's best for you. Wow. And, And guys, let me tell you, this is not just a suggestion made by the Apostle Paul. It is a commandment. It is a command to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's in the present tense. It means to be filled constantly, to keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, when you get saved, you receive the Spirit of God. You're saved. God's Spirit moves in. So so this is more of how can I give more of me to the Holy Spirit? We see in the book of Acts on numerous occasions, the believers were filled again with the Spirit of God. It's not that they didn't have the Spirit. The the Spirit came on them and filled them. Every day when we get up, we need to say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Till I'm overflowing, fill me with your Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit fills you with His fuel, He will give you the fruit as you live a fulfilled life. Guys, our, our time on this earth is limited. It's brief, it's short. So let's make the most of the time that we have left. How do we do that? By developing these four holy habits, living wisely, leveraging our time, knowing God's will, and leaning into the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's important when you hear preaching that you put it into practice. Otherwise, it just becomes information that does not lead to transformation and does you no good. So I want to give you an application for today. Now, big picture is you need Jesus in your life. I can't think of a better way to start out this new year than to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Jesus. Make sure that relationship 
with Jesus is right. Let's start 2024 the right way, being in Christ. Are we good? Now, here here is the one application I'm going to give for you today for you to use and grow and develop and mature in this year. I'm challenging you to read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Simply put, if you're not reading God's Word, you're not going to know what God's will is. If you're not reading the Word of God, you're not going to be able to leverage your time. You're, You're not going to be able to act wisely and be careful. You're not going to be able to lean into the Holy Spirit if you don't know what it is that God is saying to you. So you need the Word of God in your life every single day. And for this to become a daily discipline, you have to establish a routine. It must become a habit of your life. No no questions of whether I'm going to read my Bible today or not. It's just automatic. you've, You've got to have daily intake of the Word of God more than you have to have food or coffee or liquid or recreation or anything else. It means that reading the Word of God becomes a priority in your life. And for that to happen, you need to develop your own routine, your own habit, that it's just going to happen every single day. Now, I got saved when I was six years old at the Westside Church in Midland, my mom and dad would have a, a family devotion every night. My sister and, and uh, mom and dad and I and our dog Pooty would have a nightly devotion. We'd go into mom and dad's room and would read a passage of scripture, then would kneel around their bed and would all pray. Family devotion. If you're not doing that, it's a good idea to do that. But then every night when I went back to my own room, right before I went to bed, I had a Bible on my nightstand, Jason, and I would read verses every night. It wasn't a systematic reading. I would just, I would just, I would do that blind thing as as a kid. I just opened my Bible and put my finger in. That was God's verse for me that night. I don't suggest that as your Bible plan, right? But that's the way I did it. I did that for years. And then I, I graduated and I went to Bible college. Did you know that the easiest place to backslide is in Bible college? And for some crazy reason, I I stopped having my daily reading times with God. Now, I read the Bible, but I didn't read it daily. And I'm telling you, I suffered because of that. After I graduated and went to seminary and struggled through seminary and became a pastor, I realized, you know what, I need more of the Word of God in my life than just reading it to study for a sermon or for a lesson or for a teaching or for a funeral. I need the Word of God ingested daily for Him to speak to me and change me and make me the man He wants me to be. So I developed my own habit of reading. It has transformed and changed through the years, and it's quite different now than it was when I was a young man. But let me tell you, every day, I may not do anything else that day. I might not get anything else accomplished that's worthwhile But one thing I am going to do is have my quiet time with God. And you know, I can't tell you the difference that has made in my life. There there is a peace that passes all understanding that captures my mind and my heart and my day because, you know what, I'm in God's Word. God can so easily direct me now 
to the opportunities He's opening for me to do the things He wants me to do. Why? Because I'm reading His Word. I'm moving in a direction towards Him. I'm not a stalled or a parked vehicle. I'm a moving vehicle towards the presence of Jesus so He can just turn me in where He wants me to be. You need that in your life. And so I challenge you today to read the Word of God every single day this new year. We, we've been challenging our church to do this for years. Remember the Bible in you in 22? Remember last year, read it with me in 23? Well, I got another one for you this year. Read it once more in 24. It has the power to change your life. So let's start this holy habit. Let's start this New Year's right in God's Word. Let's not be controlled by the past. Let's be controlled by today and the Word of God. I, I like the way Tony Evans put it. Regardless of what happened yesterday, if you stick with the Lord today, your yesterday does not have to control your tomorrow. And it doesn't. Besides all that, I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know the man who holds tomorrow. And I'm just telling you all the things I know. I'm, I know all these things because I'm old and wise now. And I still have 32 years to go. I know this, life is just like that, man. It is, isn't it? Man, where does the time go? Well, it goes by. But it's coming to an end. My life is going to end. Chances are it's going to be before 32 years. But here's what I know according to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Your life is brief. You know, you may not be here this time next year. This, this may be the last year you have. So friend, let me tell you, you need to start using your time wisely. And you don't need to waste this year. Because ultimately, the day is coming when we're all going to stand before God and give an account of our life. I want to be living my life in such a way right now that when that time comes, all he has to do is look at me and says, Oh, Will, I've been waiting on you. Come on and enter in. I've got a mansion for you. Do you know that? Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to every heart that is in this room. Lord, for those who are not prepared for that day, the judgment day, I pray that they would come and receive Jesus as their Savior. Lord, if they're here today and they know they're living in disobedience to you, they they haven't been obeying your word. They haven't been living in your will. I pray, dear Lord, that we would come and lay our lives on the altar and just submit everything to you. Lord, help us all to come to the altar and make that commitment that we're going to read the Bible this year, that we're going to study your word, that we're going to live wisely, leverage our time, learn God's will, and lean into the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, help us to make that commitment publicly today as we make it to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team is going to sing. Why don't you step out right now? Come and make your commitment to Jesus. He's, he's waiting on you. Come and make your commitment to him. As they sing this last verse, maybe you need to come and make your commitment to Jesus, would you? Lord, we do pray that your grace flows down and covers us today. Help us to develop these four holy habits with the help of the Holy Spirit, to live wisely, to leverage our time because the days are evil, to learn God's will and do it, and then to lean into the Holy Spirit. I pray that that would all take place in our life as we make the commitment to read your word every day and allow it to do its transformation work in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to read a card to you, and then I have a couple of reminders. The card says, thank you for the prayers, visits, texts, and phone calls while dad was in the hospital and after his passing. Thank you to the church for the plant. A special thank you to the ones who endured the cold to support and encourage us at the funeral. It was greatly appreciated in Christ. This is Bill and Darla Gordon and family. Darla's daddy passed away through the holidays, and we want to remember her and the family in prayer. Uh, remember, if you're a church member, to drop your offering in one of those black boxes. I've been asked to remind you that you can still give toward 2023 this week and next week. So make that notation if you'd like to. On Wednesday night, we're going to have church for all age groups. I invite you to come and participate. Uh, Naomi's Friends, this uh, is a group of ladies who have lost their husbands. They meet once a month, uh, and that meeting is going to be tomorrow 
at one o'clock at Eunice's. They get together and have a great time. If you'd like to join them, just show up at Eunice's at one o'clock. I pray that you have a great day and that you stay out of trouble. And I'm not going to ask for snow because I don't, I don't want the snow. So that's just on Nathan, right? Have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday.